1: Thank you for checking out the Performance Anxiety Podcast on the Pantheon Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark. And on this edition of Side Projects, I'm joined by Alexander Haka and Danielle DePiciato of Haka DePicciato and Ellen Southern and Tom Bush from Dead Space Chamber Music to talk about musique concrète. We discuss what it is and how each of them discovered the genre. We also talk about how it's influenced the music that they make. They've each used some strange instruments to create their own musique concrete, including a jet turbine and a serrated knife on a stone. It really is amazing how repurposing objects to make musique concrete can actually give them a whole new life. And sometimes, musique concrete is created by accident, like, for example, when a flute has the wrong mouthpiece. And other times, when repairing an instrument can actually ruin the qualities that you want. Recording the music can be part of the process of creating the desired sound. But you have to be ready because sometimes you only get one take. We talk about all this and a lot more. Follow Haka DiPicciato on the socials at Haka DiPicciato. Follow Dead Space Chamber Music at Dead Space Chamber Music. Pick up the Silver Threshold and the Black Hours on Bandcamp. Follow us at Performance Annex. And you can support the show at ko-fi.com slash performanceanxiety, or you can buy merch at performanceanx.threadless.com. Now let's get into some found sounds and music concrete with Haka DiPicciato and Dead Space Chamber Music on Performance Anxiety, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. You made it. Hey, all right, there you are. I can see you guys now. Good morning. All
0: right.
1: Hello. Hi. Danielle and Alexander, meet Tom and Ellen from Dead Space Chamber Music. Tom and Ellen, Uh, meet you. How do you do? So good to meet you. So, this, to be honest, this was kind of Ellen's idea. I've got to give credit where credit's due. So... (laughs) I love having Danielle and and Alex on and Tom and Ellen I wanted to have you guys back on cuz I enjoyed our conversation so much the last time and uh, I was trying to think of ways to get them on again and we were talking about music concrete which through email so I didn't even know how to pronounce it at the time and uh, <laughs> so Ellen suggested and I'm like you know I bet they had mentioned that they were fans of noise and so I'm like I just got an email the other day from Howard Wolfing saying that he would love if we could get you guys back on the podcast. I'm like the stars have a line. This is perfect. So I reached out and everybody was open and this is, I think this is fitting. This is great. So what I wanted to do is find out about music concrete, because it's fascinating to me. I've known that it exists i never really realized it was a a genre per se with a title and a name and you know people who kind of started the entire thing which kind of sounds stupid now that i say it out loud but <laughs> i never realized how in depth it was and, and how expansive it was alex and daniel let's start with you guys how did you guys discover this type of the music and and what drew you into it as opposed to just regular blues, or rock and roll, or, or uh, what, what drew you to it in the first place, I guess? I'll shut up now.
2: Well, in the early 80s, when I started experimenting with sound, or actually even when I was a little kid, you know, when I, when I got my first acoustic guitar and a cassette recorder and a, and a microphone, I would drown the microphone in the, uh, in the body of the guitar and, okay. and record stuff, and I was obsessed with horror movies and and science fiction. <laughs> and I uh, was more about sounds and the the effects that that sound uh, would have um, ah, okay. than music initially. And uh, music came later. <laughs> and uh, and so a lot of the things that I discovered or that we discovered with Neubaut in the early days, I I had to learn that a lot of that stuff already existed. I I was convinced that I invented Dada, um, you know, <laughs> um, And then we would learn about people like uh, Pierre Henry or yeah. um, you know the ori- the originators of of uh, musique concrète. <laughs> sounds if, if, you, if you will. and, uh, and it's just um, it gives you the realization that that everything that is audible is also music. Yeah. and uh, an early concept of ours was to expand the term of music to the extent that everything has become music, realizing that at the same time you destroy music or you kill music, because if everything has become music, then there is no more music. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> that, yeah, that's a great point. That's like like in the Incredibles, if everyone's a superhero, then nobody's a superhero. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Tom and Ellen, what about you guys? How did you guys discover it? Who, who were you into early on? Well, yeah, I mean, that, that is interesting, because <clears throat>
3: it reminds me of something... That you just said there, which which is uh, you, you might be doing certain things yourself, and when you start, you don't necessarily realize that there were all these people who came before you who, who were doing similar things, right. so, so without really being conscious of it. You, you're, you're within a, a, a tradition, mm. something that has a long history, but you you, you didn't you didn't really know. So then it, that kind of comes comes subsequently. So I, I, I mm. suppose I was doing. Things that might might be in this this area before I'd listen to a band like uh, I understand Neubauten and or um, well, the other one would be uh, Test Department from uh, from the UK. So I can relate to that. Is <laughs> I suppose <laughs> this, is, is what I'm. Yeah.
4: yeah, and I think especially for um, artists who you're doing things and you're not sure of your lineage and your inheritance in a way, what you do is quite experimental people ask you what kind of music do you make and you don't really know (laughs) what to say you're just doing it and then and then you learn that there's all these people and you feel sort of part of of something I mean when hearing you talk just then I got flashes back of when I was a child and I used a cassette recorder as a plaything because that's you know it's like that's my age um they were freely available in the 80s and uh and so I, you know, I I grew up on a small holding. So I would be carrying this thing around, you know, putting it under straw, pulling it along the ground, listening back, hearing, oh, wow. you know, and stuff like that. And and didn't even think of it as making I don't know, making art per se, but it was just so tactile and physical. And I think it inspired me, because I was a visual artist for many years before I started to sing and uh um, and I think it inspired me to kind of consider the, the, yeah, the physicality of sound, but also the traces of a process that are then embedded of an action or a ritual that are actually embedded. And the magic of how you transform the world through, through what you hear. Yeah. You know the origin of that sound and you have this a memory of it, but then it becomes something else and tells you something Back to you, almost. So, working with these kind of sounds now with dead space chamber music, I, for me, is very much part of the the the, trying trying to have a sort of three D immersive idea of like the physicality of the sound, but also the story of of the sound, where that came from, how it was made, and the meaning of that relating to the track that we're using those sounds on, whether they're um, looped or sampled, um, or whether they're physically made during live performances.
1: We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is, therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with the stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Try doing that in person. So join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And a special offer to Performance Anxiety listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at BetterHelp.com slash Performance Anxiety. That's BetterHelp.com slash Performance Anxiety. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast.
0: I also think it's really important to have that naivete or that um you know that non knowing because I've actually met artists that knew all about music history or art music uh, art history and they were constantly blocked because they would want to do right. something and they'd be like oh my god no that's already been done and that's already been done and they just don't do anything they basically can't do anything at all because basically almost everything has in a way been done, but of course the individual way of doing it is different. And so you go through that and it emerges into something completely personal. So I think it's actually a really important way of discovering what your own voice is before you're blocked by the knowledge of thousands of people who have done this. Yes. The state of innocence. uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. One of the things that was really interesting to me was to find out how early on it influenced pop music. The Beatles' "Tomorrow Never Knows" is considered one of the the, the first pop songs with samples. I and I recently just found out Pink Floyd recorded an entire yeah. album yeah. of household house. objects. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. Yeah. only two songs exist now: "The Hard Way" and "Wine Glasses." I think one they used, I mm-hmm. think "The Hard Way" used rubber bands for a bass. It's just It's just, it's crazy.
3: I'm, I'm not sure now, I mean, I am not. don't know if I'm remembering this right, but the, the wine glasses thing, I think that ended up on uh, Shine On You Crazy Diamonds, Yeah, like yeah. A big, big, expansive yeah. sound, and it sounds like a synthesizer.
1: There, I found, but, yeah, I found a uh, yeah. clip on YouTube of, uh, it may be 10 years ago now, but in the pantheon of Pink Floyd, that's very recently, I guess, of Gilmore playing live or getting ready to play live show, and he... he for that song, he had the wine glasses set up and he had people playing yeah. the wine glasses. That was just wild. What are some of the weird instruments that you guys have had to use in recording? or Well, not had to, but chosen, I guess, to use in creating music? I know, Alex, last time you were on, you were telling me about like engine parts, I, I think. <laughs> some, some kind of like jet engine parts, I believe.
2: Yeah, yeah. With, uh, with uh, Woody uh, uh, from Neubart, me as a... Actually, a jet engine, a jet turbine, or the inside of, of, a, of a of a jet turbine that uh, he, says he found in the fields of Bavaria. I mean, he really stole it from an from an army air base. But, uh, uh, yeah. but yeah, you know, I I think the the greatest thing about uh, about this this concept of of using objects is. Um, the repurposing of, of objects giving giving these things a new life you know like just being a rake for the sake of being a rake is a very boring existence you, yeah. know? <laughs> you can turn a rake into a, a musical <laughs> instrument and that kind of you know adds a certain uh, element of glamour and uh, purpose to to that before very um, uh you know basic and meager existence you know and i think yeah. that's a great thing and also, you can turn these objects into um, jet setters. You know, I mean, imagining how how often they have travelled around the world in the meantime. When before they were just a bucket, and yeah. now they are, you know, like mm. a, you know, a, a bucket into a continental flight.
4: They become almost like your mascots.
2: Yeah, these particular
4: objects and these particular sounds. And and it's kind of yeah, it's very warm and it makes it makes you feel it makes you more relate to them because you think, well, I'm just an ordinary person. And yet whenever we get to do a performance or something like that, you also feel really honored and privileged and like you get to be transform yourself, you know, yeah. like this everyday object. So you're like an everyday object, but you get to kind of go through this transformation for for a little while, you know. It's also a <laughs> so yeah, humble thing.
1: <laughs> one of the things that I was that blew my mind as, as I was talking to Alexander the last time you guys were on was how it allows people who maybe can't afford to buy a proper instrument to create music.
0: I mean, for instance, for me, it's always been the case that I've been bored by regular sounds. I grew up learning classic classical instruments and I really loved it, but it somehow didn't touch me. And then it was the same thing with like regular pop music or mainstream music that I heard. It didn't touch me. And then when I started listening more to um, underground experimental music, every time it was something unusual, like an unusual, hopefully rough sound, it hit me like a, you know, like a, I don't know what. And, um, And then I started hearing music of people that would not instruments, but actually with like, you know, metal or wood or whatever. And I just realized that's, I, it just touched me so much that it was like, okay, that's my area. And we have a friend in New York, for instance, I don't know if you've heard of him, his name is Larry Seven. And he's like, he goes through all the bin, like flea markets and, and garbage piles and things from the street and takes it home. His whole apartment is full of stuff. And <laughs> he just loves working, taking them apart, you know, and then putting them together in different ways and then making sounds with him. And it just makes me like, Feel like, I'm having some kind of, I don't know, a static state of something.
2: Because- yes. 19, he, has yeah. a, he has a 1970s eight track tape recorder that he actually found on the street in the Lower East Side.
0: And he works you know, <laughs>
2: Technology that used to be, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars now, you know, just ends up on the street and he picks it up and he fixes it and his entire studio wow. is wow.
0: Yeah, so basically, that's what we try to achieve with the stuff that we work with I mean we work with instruments of course that are like the guitar and the bass or the violin but we try to create sounds with them that are different and also use instruments that create old-fashioned sounds because like old old sounds from the hurdy-gurdy because it has a completely different feel of time to it and yeah. time time and, and essence of that too that you suddenly get Brought into a different state of time if you're listening to different kinds of sounds, mm-hmm. and uh, that's something we always try to somehow achieve for ourselves because it makes us happy.
1: <laughs> well, I think that's an area where you and, and Ellen and Tom can really connect.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. Like I, I, I love the combination mm-hmm. of what you might call, you know, traditional sounds, um, the, the kind of sounds that you expect from conventional instruments, and more uh, unusual side of things and i like i think i understand what what you were saying before about certain sounds in classical music or pop music where um i suppose yeah like my take on that would might be that there are there are no surprises anymore um like you 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 know what it is you know what you can go ahead and say
1: boring it's okay
3: (laughs) well i mean the thing that popped into my head was i I was going to say like i suppose like a conventional kind of classical string quartet i've got nothing against a conventional classical Mm -hmm. string quartet but if i listen Mm just to to something something like that then i i I know what what sounds i'm going to hear really Mm -hmm. uh if if it's something from like the 18th century or 19th century uh i mean obviously yeah because it's so long ago so that's that's not their fault (laughs) (laughs) They were alive alive. but i mean i i I know i know what kind of sound it is that i'm going to hear but then yeah when, when when you get into uh, the kind of stuff that we're talking about here, like you, you, you're going to be surprised. So, so yeah, you might listen to stuff where you hear yeah. sound and it, it's it's not something. It, it's a texture maybe that you've mm-hmm. never heard before. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess it's kind of like a switch goes on in the brain. Something probably happens in the brain. You know, you're you're surprised and then immediately uh, kind of like a light bulb goes off and then you, you know you're you're switched on. You're you're engaged, but.
1: We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors
3: if it's music using sounds that you expect and following conventions that you expect it can be a bit like <sighs> you, yeah. you know, I, I, know that sounds, <laughs> I don't mean to sound submissive about you know people who've done great stuff with conventional means but mm. yeah there's th- there aren't any surprises I, I
1: guess yeah and one of the cool things about music concrete is how expansive it is because it's not just playing an engine part percussively it's tape sounds and you know Mm. samples and it's Mm. there's such a breadth of things that are considered you know sounds that are considered music concrete that it it seems like a genre that's just almost never ending it's almost Mm. overwhelming to me in that sense
2: let me let me put it this way you know
1: if you know, starting
2: from the observation that the uh, you know the material world really is an illusion. I mean, not an illusion, but it's it's a lack of our abilities to observe the fact that everything really is vibrations. Mm-hmm. All right, and so what everything that we do is about creating resonance with people, with our audience, or with with ourselves. You know, like like yeah. we resonate with certain vibrations, and therefore we love them or we hate them, and these these vibrations, they can come from any, any object or from anything, you know, mm-hmm. from, from any sound. It is about the resonance. It is about, uh, you know, like uh, actually feeling something or relating to what you hear. And uh, what I find very interesting, and I, and I think about this a lot, and I, and I ask whenever I get the chance, talking to someone who has perfect pitch, for example, you know, mm-hmm. somebody who, who knows exactly what, is in tune and what is not, you know. And I always wonder how these people are affected by things that are slightly out, you know, like certain engine sounds or something. Where they and they they do have that they do have that problem where they where they go like, wow, <laughs> this is not quite there. This is flat. You know, this, you know, the, the bus that I'm riding on is flat. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well
0: and, you can like that.
2: You I'm, I'm, absolutely. Yeah. You can like that. I
0: like it. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. And uh, I like a flat bus. And uh, you know. <laughs> and then to get to get to this resonance, any means of manipulation, I think, is valid. You know, you can do anything you ever want. Like the, the borrows cut up technique and the mm-hmm. taping
0: and playing back technique. You know, John Cage.
2: This, this great artist, uh, Jakob Kierkegaard, he's a Danish guy and he did a thing that he went to Chernobyl and he just put a, a recorder into an empty room at the in Chernobyl somewhere in one, wow. of, one of those vacant uh, buildings and recorded that building and then played the recording of that building back into the building and recorded that and played that back into the building and recorded that. Oh, and that wow. you know, like, like a a couple hundred times actually until he created this resonance just of the building with itself that is like a a solid massive drone you know just out of of nowhere or of just the existence you
1: know that's (laughs) fascinating
2: for me, that's the ultimate uh, music concrete for me, you know, where there's not even, yeah. <laughs> anything, you know, especially since the, the dead, air, the dead yeah. air, they make that resonance.
1: Especially since most things in wow. Russia are made of concrete. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you guys incorporate music concrete in your latest work? And I know Danielle and, and Alex, you guys have birds chirping in Overture and there, there's stuff throughout the album. through it and I'm pulling up my list here because I wanted to mention a couple of things like Meteor's Rain is one of my favorites but Alex we spoke about this the last time you're on the throat singing that you, you did in Babel is just mm. cool <laughs> I, I really love hearing you do that that it was just awesome thank you <laughs> but when you when you go into the studio do you have these sounds ready do you, do you have it in your head what you want like the birds chirping or um and ellen in your case like maybe the the broken bits of porcelain that you've used in the past Is that something that presents itself as you're recording? Oh, hey, I I think this would sound good here. Or is it a mixture of both?
0: I think it's with us, it's a mixture of both. Usually we have a certain kind of content theme of the idea that we want to do. Like, for instance, with um, Passa it was about our nomadic journeys and how we were trying to, like, not despair and not give up and uh, perseverance. Yeah. That was, like, our main theme and being nomads. Um, with the last album, we were kind of, you know, thrown out of context because we had planned to be touring the whole year and everything was cancelled and so we were basically stuck in Berlin. and we were very very open like we didn't have a specific thought we just kind of had the thought of the situation that we're in and um the situation that the world is in and for me specifically um i was thinking a lot about nature versus mankind and how they're like opposing each other or how they're actually of course part of one another and that's the theme of our whole album so we had that theme as an idea vaguely but otherwise this album specifically was created very with intuition like intuitionally
1: okay and, yeah. and that that's the uh the silver threshold as for the new album yeah
0: yes yeah. gotta make sure i mention and that also, and also for us it was a different situation than usual because usually we're on the road and we record with very minimal um, recording stuff Mm -hmm. and you know we do our engineering ourselves and this time we actually did it in the studio for the first time in years and had an engineer which gave us the possibility of just like concentrating on the music and really being able to interact even more freely than usual and that was really great so i think that's one of the reasons why so so you
2: could say the most the most concrete thing that we have on the last album is live rooms as opposed to, you know, digital reverb spaces ah. or, or weird, uh, we we do, do have live rooms on the other, on the other recordings as well, but they are not, um, proper live rooms. You okay. had, you know, a, like a proper large live room where we could throw things around and, and, uh, you know, place amplifiers, and, and make, make the entire building ring with what we do. doing. So mm-hmm. that's, that's the most concrete thing that we can... okay. Um, yeah. <laughs>
1: so, well, Tom and Ella, what about you guys? You, you just had released an album in December, The Black Hours. Was there a lot of music concrete done for that album?
4: Well, one thing that occurs is um, if for us, I mean, looking back at all the achievements that you guys have had in your Careers like one thing I think for us that's a challenge is studio time is it's quite limited because of the cost, you know, very mundane thing. So we're always I mean for me, it would be fantastic to be able to actually have more play time in in that sort of context and to have that idea of the you know the recording studio or the recording space wherever it is um, as an instrument in itself. um what we've tended to do is take well, Our sounds in the form of samples or loops, but also physical objects that we use during performance, we take those in with us. So, And for me, that's like taking part of the performative residue in with you. Uh, Like, for example, we did do um, an EP in a church, a beautiful church in Gloucestershire. And uh, so I took in um, a knife and a stone that I used to create a Mm. rhythm. Yeah. Um, on one of the tracks and it's, it's quite a funny object because it's a very t- um, Black Desert is the name of the song and, and it's a very t- tense tense what it's about really <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of glossolalia in it but um the knife on the stone is actually a serrated knife because that sounded best um oh. because of all the little yeah indentations so i felt like it sounds like it's a knife sharpening but actually it's blunting it so it's okay and that, again is ambiguous but to do so we've done that live
3: was, and that was always yeah. funny
4: when the knife was glinting in the light. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
3: it's because you were always like, "Oh, get the
4: knife out!" What's the funny? <laughs> yeah,
3: policy? yeah, do yeah. I, do I check? Yeah. About, you know, do I check this, in the knife? That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> a good point. Oh,
4: yeah. I mean, there's actually loads of funny stories yeah. about the objects when you take them around the world, as you were alluding to it, and it actually adds to your own sense of mythology about your own fact maybe it's another thing. But um, yeah, uh, doing that action in in the in that. The resonance of that church in the, that church was incredible because there was loads of beautiful wooden panels. So it wasn't a cold reverb. It was a warm reverb. It suited us amazingly well. And so to, to have that being done recorded on tape, we recorded on tape in there because actually Pro Tools um, crashed. That the church electrics wouldn't support it oh, so wow. if we hadn't had a real real tape we literally Fair, wouldn't that's have right. that ep yeah, the, the stuff it wasn't just it a novelty to <laughs> have <a tape. laughs> yeah. literally that's how we got <laughs> wow. it but um, and we only had obviously one take of, of, of each but yeah just doing that action that those that's the stone the same stone and the same knife that i've you know that we performed it with and taking it into the the recording space like that but yeah for me like to have m- more actual discovery playtime we tend to kind of have to approach it as in we basically need to get this done in two days and we get one take or two of each and you know it's it would be great to have more play time really
3: yeah it. yeah. i think i mean in terms of recording in a studio we've, we've done it maybe uh three or four times mm. i think and it's been it, it, it's been difficult you know i i it, it would be great to go in and just get stuck into to the possibilities and, and, and be able to enjoy it. But, you know, yeah, I guess we've certainly felt like a, a level of pressure in, in, in the studio environment.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you guys, all of you together, do you find it difficult sometimes to recreate some of these sounds in a live environment or do you not even care and it's just you're going to do something else for some of these songs with these elements in the live setting? Alex and, and Daniel, why don't we start off with you guys on that one.
0: Well, I mean, one of the things that I've been playing lately um, is this little um, Turkish flute, and I was playing it... um... It's not a flute. (laughs) (laughs) And I was playing it incorrectly because without... And it's very piercing. It's very small. It's about this big. And it has this piercing sound, um, which I thought was absolutely wonderful. It's really weird sound. It sounds like a dying shot duck or something. And Alex and I was very proud of the fact that it's the first instrument I've ever managed to get Alex to say it's too loud. I mean, a <laughs> lot members say that is a true achievement. <laughs> <laughs> and so I really enjoyed playing it live, too, because it was louder than anything else. It's just incredible. Jeez. And we are quite loud when we perform. So now we did this um, radio play not long ago where a friend of ours specializes in unusual flute things, or whatever you're going to call them. And he said, oh no, you've got the wrong mouthpiece. And so he gave me the right mouth. (laughs) And it's completely different. It's (laughs) muffled, it sounds, I mean, it's got nice, a nice sound, but it's much deeper and it's definitely not as piercing. So now we're using that. Alex is very happy and I'm (laughs) a little disappointed Uh. because I really enjoy playing it live, so I have to decide what, which version I'm going to use next. <laughs> I, got, I mean, again, there is no,
2: there is no right or wrong. Um,
1: yeah. and,
2: and <laughs> the same, same thing happened with your, with your hurdy-gurdy, uh, the hurdy that Danielle played. <laughs> <laid>. Once <laughs> we finally, we, we managed to locate the guy who actually built her hurdy-gurdy the in, birthplace. V, yeah. in, wow. in, in Vienna. And it was—it happened to be broken on on that leg of the tour, and and we went to see him, and, and he said, "Oh yeah, well, and I remember this, and I sold this many years ago and stuff." And he fixes for it, and
0: and he uh, said, "The sound is terrible." And I always loved this <laughs> super <laughs> rough, and it was like it kind of like t- also sounded like some kind of monumental dying animal. It's <laughs> <laughs> so like, terrible. It's
2: so rough. Yeah, so he put, so- proper, yeah. he put the proper. He put the. You know, uh, <laughs> proper strings on it and stuff. It and her, Danielle didn't get to check it out. And, and the next show she played, like, she just started playing and it, and she almost started crying. Yeah, because, because it
3: was
0: kind oh. of like a medieval <laughs> instrument, all beautiful. And la, Mama, and I was like, <laughs> oh, no. no. <laughs> go back. To yes. what it, Damn, like. it! was like it, it
2: sounded like it had been castrated or yes. something like that. <laughs> you know, the, the next the next thing we did like we, we put the the wrong strings on again. In, like, strings. In, like, yeah. Metal, metal yeah. strings instead of the gut strings that were supposed to be on there. Oh. And, and now now it's back at, at and it's and it's old. You know, uh, majestic beauty.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's very important to be able to like use those sounds
2: live. When I was what i was meaning to say is is that that it's it really it is all about infusing any action or any object with whatever you do it can be anything you do and i I think we we are all along the same lines here That it doesn't really matter whether it is a musical instrument or whether it is not a musical instrument it doesn't matter whether whether it's recorded in a studio or it's a field recording yeah what we do is we infuse meaning you know, we make we make every action that we do. We make it a symbolic action that conveys a a deeper truth in in one way or another, and and that's yeah. what it what it's all about. It doesn't matter how yes. you get there. And, yes. and the great thing is, you can also project this kind of truth in any other thing. You know, you can you can have a and that's the great thing about music. You can have like a dear connection with with something that is that is just mainstream, but for you. It means something entirely different. Yeah, know, and that's great.
1: So, Tom and Ellen, you've had an album just come out in December. How can people find it? It's called The Black Hours and Dead Space Chamber Music. Awesome, awesome album. I'm still listening to it. I still love it. Yeah. So how can people follow you guys and, and find the album?
4: We're on all the usual social media platforms, but yeah, maybe through Bandcamp. If you go to Bandcamp, we're on there.
1: Excellent. And it's not hard to find Dead Space Chamber Music. I think you guys are probably the only one.
3: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the place chamber. Yes. yes. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> it's either the band or one of those immersion t- chambers where you sensory deprivation yeah. thing. So either yeah. either yeah. way, it's pretty cool. So yeah. Alex and Daniel, how can people find the new album, uh, the Silver Threshold? Follow you guys and and see what you guys are up to.
0: Basically, the same thing on the you know regular media. We've got a band campsite. And as we just were signed by mute, I guess it's in the stores too. But as we're in a lockdown, we don't really
1: know. Oh Mm. man. Well, guys, this has been a blast. Ellen, thank you for sending me down the rabbit hole that I'm going to continue (laughs) to go down because there's just so many offshoots. It's just Mm. blowing my mind. And uh, I really do seriously. Thank you for kind of introducing me into the actual genre because it's, something that i kind of knew existed but it didn't know it, it had a formal mm. title formal genre i get i don't know i'm it's still early i'm i don't have all my words yet so alex and daniel thank you guys for coming on and talking about your experiences and i'm really really enjoying the new album the silver threshold it's just like i had mentioned before i'm looking at my favorites there's i mentioned meteor rain and babel trevis journey east the whole middle of the album just just to me just kind of flows so perfectly. I, I absolutely love it. Are you guys settled down for a lockdown now, or are you guys still kind of living the nomadic life?
2: Well, we have, we have been stuck in, in Berlin in our studios. This is, you see Dan, Danielle's studio here yeah. and my studio is at the other, the other studios next, next door and that's where we spend our time and we don't get we don't get out
0: much. Uh, we're, hoping to tour. we're hoping to tour in three weeks we're going to be touring through Europe or we hope it's going to work out because it's already been cancelled three times uh, and we hope to, right. be to come to the UK in the So Where are you based? Bristol. Bristol. Oh, nice. We would love to play there so <laughs> meet you in person there that'd be great. Oh,
3: mm. Yeah it'd be great to see you here. yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Excellent.
1: Excellent. well I will I will make sure you guys get connect through at least email if not you guys can always connect on social media and unfortunately I can't really mm-hmm. meet up with all of you guys at the same time so unless somebody's oh. willing to fly me to the UK <laughs> <Sunday>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. or I can get all you guys over here to DC
0: exactly
1: <laughs> that would be a, hey well, we can get a dead space chamber hockey de Picciotto tour going <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: There. Oh yeah 100%. Yeah. all right guys well i want to thank you one last time i don't i definitely don't want to get cut off on this I, I, I want to end formally the last few times i've done this with multiple people in the middle of a sentence i think i've gotten cut off so <laughs> that's a weird thing to have to edit out talk about podcast concrete there that's just <laughs> that's hard to do thank you guys so much it's been wonderful and we definitely have everybody back on again and uh do a whole nother episode of something else that's just as fun to talk about
0: yes
2: all right right. thank you nice to meet you guys um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right